the fourth chapter of Ilchus Tein Venitin, the law of a plaintiff and defendant. Today's chapter contains ten halachas and will continue the discussion of a maidabemiktas, a defendant who partially admits the claim against him. As we discussed in the previous shiurim, a maidabemiktas is one of those cases in which the defendant is required to take an oath by the law of the Torah, a shvua min the paradigm is that a plaintiff will claim a certain amount of money and the defendant will admit partially his claim. The law is that this that he admits, he is of course required to pay. And the part that he denies, he is required to take an oath of the Torah in order to substantiate this denial. Then he is exempt from paying. In this chapter, the Ram will put some limitations on when this maidab and mixus will have to swear. Perak Ravi, the fourth chapter, Halacha Aleph. In this and the next two halachas, the Ramam will deal with the idea of exact measurement and then, uh, pr- certain precision required in both the claim and the partial admission. This person with a partial admission only is required to take this Torah oath when the claim against them is something which is either measure, with a precise measurement or weight or number. In other words, it must be something which can be measured exactly. And so too, not only the claim must be exact, so too the admission must be in the same fashion. And the admission of the defendant is also in something which is in measurement, weight, or in a number. Cain said, for example, Let's say the plaintiff says, that you owe me ten dinar. Dinar is a certain type of coin. And the defendant answers, that it's not true. I don't owe you ten. I only owe you five. This is something which is a matter of minion. They can be counted. The claim against them is ten. He admits to five. And so to a similar case, that the plaintiff claims that you have a cord, a certain measurement, a volume or weight of wheat, and you have one court, and the answer is, It's not true, I only owe you a lesech, which is half of a court. So we see again, both the plaintiff and defendant are using exact measurements. Another case, The plaintiff says, You have two liter, another measurement of silk, that you owe me, and the defendant answers, That I only owe you a retel, a smaller measurement of cloth. In all of these cases, the defendant is, is required to swear, the shvua minatated, to deny the additional amount which the plaintiff is claiming. The Cain Kolkiyetzi was there, so too any other case where there are exact claims, either in measurement, weight, or number, both in the parts of the plaintiff and defendant. However, Avalim Omar, the plaintiff says that I gave you a purse which was full of dinar. And therefore we see that it wasn't an exact amount which he is explicating here. He just said that the purse was full of dinrit. And even then, in this case, the defendant answers him precisely. He says, No, that you only gave me 50. And so too, another case, which is similar. In this case, the plaintiff is exact. He says that I gave you a hundred dinner. And the defendant answers, That you only gave me uh, uh, a sack, a bag of dinner, and you didn't count them in front of me. And therefore, I don't know how much was in it. The only thing I'm telling you is, 
this, what you left over here, this you're allowed to take. I don't know how much it is. Whatever here you can take. And the plaintiff is evidently complaining that he gave him a hundred and there's less than a hundred in the sack now. In this case, the claim of the plaintiff is, is clear and exact and the denial in the part of the defendant is not. In any of these cases, Hareza Potter, the defendant is exempt from swearing either because he has not admitted in something exact or the claim against him was not in something exact. The king called so to any other case where either the plaintiff or defendant is speaking something not exact in Mida, Mishkal, or Minyan. On a similar note, Halacha base. The plaintiff claims that I gave you a house full of grain. And the other one, meaning the defendant answers him, You didn't give me a whole house full, you only gave me ten core worth of wheat. And so, so we see that in this case, the plaintiff is not being exact as far as his claim. Because he says a house full of tvua. And so too, conversely, the plaintiff here is exact. And he says, I gave you ten kur. And the defendant answers, I don't know how much it was. Since you didn't measure it out in front of me and count them out, therefore, I don't know, you gave me a bag with wheat, and I don't know how much was in there. But this that you left here, I didn't touch it, you're allowed to take it back. In either of these cases, also Potter, the person is exempt from swearing because one of the claims was unexact. Halacha Gimel. If, however, the plaintiff says, that this house full up to the Z's I gave to you. A Z's is a certain projection which comes out of the wall of a house and the plaintiff is saying that he gave over the defendant the house which was full up to this point where the Z's is sticking out of the house. However, the other one says, You didn't give the house full up to the Z's, only up to the Chalain, only up to the window, not up to the projection. Is this called exact? The Adam says, Yes, Chayef. The defendant here is responsible to swear that since it is something which is not in the common measurement, such as Kurin, nevertheless, since it's an exact measurement up to the Z's of the house, or up to the window of the house, therefore he has to swear. Okay, possess so too, any similar case. In this halacha, the Ramam will point out that when this person who makes a partial admission, a maidib emixas, makes his admission, it must be something that we need him at least to admit it. And it must be a worthful, uh, 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 meaningful statement on his part. A person who partially admits to the claim against him only must take the oath when he admits in something that it would have been possible for him to deny otherwise. In other words, that his admission is something effective without, and he had the choice of denying it. Ketar, for example, Mishatan A plaintiff comes and says to another that you owe me a hundred dinner, a hundred gold pieces. Chamishim Shebeshtar Fifty of them I lend to you with a document and I have a document to prove you owe me this 50, and another 50 I lent you orally. And he answers, The defendant says, No, I only owe you the 50 which are in the document. 
Now, over here, he is being accused of owing a hundred. He says he only owes fifty. It appears to be a regular case of partial admission of Maidim and Ixis. And it would seem he would have to pay that fifty, which was in a document, and swear to say that he does not know the other fifty of Shavuot Minatera. Sarah says, no, this is not the case. Ainzim Maidim and Ixis. This is not called a partial admission. Shashtar light tailed by Kfirase. Because since there's a document where for this 150, his denial wouldn't help anyway. All of his belongings, even, not only those things which he has now, but even all of his belongings are subject to repay this loan. And therefore, even if he would deny, he would still have to pay. Since there's a document against him, he does not have the choice of denying owing this money. He has to pay no matter what, since there's a document against him. So therefore, when he says that I only owe you the 50, which is in the document, this is not even called partial admission. It's not even the category of, of admission, because without his admission anyway, he owes it. It doesn't matter whether he says anything or not. Since there's a document against him, he would have to pay that. Therefore, since in this case it's so clear he owes this 50, it's not even called a partial admission. It's not called an admission because he's not really saying anything. However, this is only speaking regarding a shvua However, since he is denying, we are splitting his claim into two. The part which he has the document against the 50, there's no claim he can make anyway, so his statement is worthless. As far as the other 50 which the, the plaintiff is claiming was lent in without a document, for this, he is a kefer hakel. He is completely denying having borrowed that money, and therefore he has to take a shvuas heses, a rabbinic oath, which, as we explained in previous parakim, is the oath which our sages established. Any case where there is not an oath of the Torah or one similar to an oath of the Torah, they establish a shvuas heses to deny the claim one person has against another. And therefore, he must make an oath of fifty regarding an oath regarding the fifty, which he says was never lent him in the first place. As far as these fifty are concerned, he's considered a kafir hakel, completely denying the claim against them. Therefore, he takes only a rabbinic oath. A document that says that a certain number of tzela is owed, and it doesn't say how many, it just says the plural sloyim. And there's a disagreement as to how many was actually lent. The lender says that it is five sela, that you owe me, that was what was meant. I just wrote sloyim, but it meant five sela. The borrower says that I only owe you three, and that's what was meant, not five. But when it says sloyim, I meant three. Now, what would be if there was no claim? We know that it's plural. And the only thing we know for sure is, oh, it is two sela. Because if it would be only one, it would say sela. It says sloyim, plural. So therefore, at least two are owed. Now, is this called a made b'miktsas? If somebody is made, agrees to what is anyway written in the document, he's not called a made b'miktsas. Over here, then, it would be analogous to our previous case where he admitted only to what was said in the document if he admitted to two. That certainly would not be considered a made b'miktsas because it has to be something which he would have been able otherwise to deny. In this case, he could deny the extra one. All he must admit to is two. Nevertheless, says the Rambam, in this case, he does not have to take the oath of a maid of a mixus. 
Even though, with this document alone, we can only force him to pay two. It says plural sloyim, so we know he owes two. And that's all we could force him to pay. So it turns out that he admitted another seller that it would have been possible for him to deny. He could have denied the third one. Because the Malva claims five. He could have said two. He didn't have to say three. Nevertheless, even though he admitted something he would have been capable of denying, and he, it appears that he's a maid of a mixus, nevertheless, in this case, he is exempt. In this case, he is considered like somebody returning a lost object. Our sages decreed that anyone that returns a lost object should not have to take an oath, as explained in its place in Hilchas Gzela Uvaveda in the 13th chapter. And so too in this case, the third seller, which he agrees that he owes, in this he is considered like returning a lost object, because otherwise the Malva would have no claim to it whatsoever. And just as in the case of a lost object, our sages decreed that a person that returned it should not have to swear that the one who was receiving the object could say, how come you're returning me only 50? Really, I lost 100. In this case, the one that found it would have to swear normally. Our sages decreed that he should not have to swear because otherwise people would never return. As a result of returning the lost object, they would have to take an oath. So just as in any case, someone that returns a lost object is exempt, so too here. So too, one person tells another, My father told me that you owe a hundred. Says, No, I only owe fifty. So too, in this case, since he himself has no definite claim, he is only going on what his father told him, it is not a regular case of Maidimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimim
However, if the heir, the child, makes the following claim, for Almighty says, that I know for sure that you owe my father. In other words, he's saying not only on what his father told him, but he himself knows that money is owed. Or I know for sure that your father owes my father money. And he answers, that I only owe you 50. Or that my father only owes 50. In these cases, he is considered to be a partial admission, and therefore must take the oath of the Torah. That in this case, since the heir is making a definite claim, he does not have so much ability to completely deny the claim. And just as we say that in comparison with the lender himself, he would not deny. So too in this case, since the heir is certain, he also would not have the ability to deny the claim of the heir. Therefore, he is considered a regular maidim mixus. Halacha vav. In this halacha, the Ramam will compare the law of a mashkin. When someone has given the uh, security to the lender in exchange for getting a loan whether this comes under the category of the law of Halach we learned in the third halacha of Perak Aleph of Helchas Tayyim that there is an exception to the law of a Medev Mixus that if there is a claim for example of a hundred against the borrower and the borrower just says fifty I only owe you fifty he is considered a Medev Mixus and he must swear on the other fifty to deny the claim against him however if he says I owe you only fifty and here it is Halach and he gives it to the lender immediately, then it is considered as not as a kein for hakol, that the 50 has been paid off and then that's wiped off the record. And now he is only denying the other 50 which the lender says he owes. This is the case of Halach. In the following law, the Ramah will compare the law of a mashkin. In a way, when the borrower has given a mashkin, a security deposit, or an object to hold on to in exchange and security for his loan, it's as if he has partially paid off the claim against him. Is that enough to be considered halach? So the Rambam says no. Halach above. The lender says that you owe me a hundred and you borrowed it on the security. And he answers, The borrower says he only owes fifty. He is nevertheless considered a made of a mixus and therefore must swear. The Ravid disagrees with this law and says that this is considered like any case of Halach. But the Ramam differentiates between us and Halach and says therefore he must swear like a made of a mixus. How does he collect? Let's say that the security is only worth 50 or less. First of all, he must take the oath of by Torah's decree to deny the 50, and he must add on to the value of the mashkin in order that he should pay back the complete 50 that he admitted to anyway. Let's say the security was worth 100 or more. In this case, since the lender could have gotten away with claiming up to the value of the mashkin, now he's only claiming he's owed 100. But let's say the security should be worth 120 he could have claimed that he was really lent out 120 and he could get away with it because why else was he given such a large mashkin in such a case the oath is not on the borrower to deny rather the oath is put upon the lender that he should swear that he is owed 100 and he collects 100 from the value of the mashkin of course this which is over the amount he has claimed he must return to the borrower Let's say, let's say it was only worth 80. 
In this case, The lender swears that he has not less than 80, and he then he collects this 80 from the mashkin of security. And the borrower must swear by biblical decree on the 20 which he has denied. In reality, he denied 50, but he doesn't have the ability to deny the complete 50, since there certainly the mashkin is worth 80, so therefore it's assumed that he owes at least 80. He must take the biblical oath on the other 20. Let's say, let's say he denied the whole story. This that you're holding on was not security for a loan. It was an object I deposited with you for safekeeping. I've just asked you to watch it. And I don't owe you any money. There was never any loan. This is not security. It's just an object of mine that I asked you to hold. Nevertheless, the lender takes an oath that he is owed not less than 80, which is the value of this object he's holding. And then the borrower takes only a rabbinic oath regarding the other 20. He cannot get out of paying this 80, because what else? Unless he can prove that it was a pikodin and not a mashkin, it is assumed that it is a mashkin, it is worth 80, and therefore the lender was claiming who he, that he was owed 100, collects the 80 from the mashkin. The other 20, since he denied the whole thing, he is not considered a made to Rather, he is denying the whole story. He must take an oath as a kefir hako. Halacha zayin. Monali The lender says that you, you owe me a hundred. The borrower answers him, Chamishim vada yesh lacha biyadi. Fifty for sure I owe you. Avala chamishim eni yedeya imane ani chayev behen oilav. But the other fifty, I'm not sure whether I really owe you or not. I don't remember what's with the other fifty. In this case, he is required to take an oath by Torah decree since he partially admitted the claim against him. He was claimed a hundred, and he answered that I owe only fifty for sure. So therefore, he would have to take the oath that he doesn't owe the other fifty. But this also he can't do. He cannot take the oath to deny the other 50 that he's denying because he doesn't really know. He can't fully deny it. He admits that perhaps he does owe the other 50. Therefore, in this case, he is required to pay the entire 100 without even taking an oath. So to any case. As the principle is that a person that if he is not able to take an oath that he is required by biblical law to take the oath and for whatever reason he is unable to take it then he must pay back he's got to pay. So too over here he will be required to take the oath by biblical law. He can't simply because he doesn't know. Since he cannot take the oath to deny the claim against him he cannot be called a maidimimitsis here with the ability to swear and therefore he must pay. However, he can make a general statement of excommunication against anyone who is claiming, uh, making a definite claim that he owes something, where in reality he does not owe it. The next halacha deals with several other cases very similar, where someone would be required to take an oath, and for technical reasons is unable to do so. Halacha ches. The lender says that you owe me a hundred, and he also has one witness who is testifying to the fact that he owes a hundred. 
And therefore, as we mentioned at the beginning of these halachas, Hilchasayim Venet and Perak Aleph, that one is required to make a Shvud Yaraisa, an oath of the Torah, in order to deny the testimony of one witness. That one requires two witnesses in order to make somebody pay. But one witness is sufficient to make them take a biblical oath. Banitan Oimer Kainu. The borrower answers that it's true. I agree with this witness. I did borrow money from you. However, you owe me a corresponding hundred. It's true that I took this hundred from you. I borrowed it from you. But you owe me another hundred, and therefore we're really even. Now over here, can he swear? The witness is saying that he borrowed money. He cannot swear to deny the claim of the witness because he agrees he owes money. He just has a completely different claim that this lender owes me another hundred from somewhere else. So he cannot deny that he took this hundred because he admits he took it. Therefore, He is also considered someone who must take an oath, is unable to swear, and therefore must pay. He is unable to swear because he is required to swear by denying the claim against him of the one witness. Should he agree with the claim of the one witness, he must follow through with the logical result and therefore pay. In this case, he cannot deny the testimony of the witness. The witness is saying he, uh, he borrowed money. He admits he borrowed money, but he says there's something else, an outside thing, another debt. Since he cannot substantiate that through swearing, because this would not be sufficient to, to uh, counteract the testimony of this one witness, therefore he is required to pay. Why is it he is unable to swear? The Rambam explains clearly. Since he agrees with what this one witness testifies. Someone does not swear to deny the testimony of a witness until he denies this witness. He contradicts his testimony. And then he swears on this statement he makes which counteracts what the witness says against him. Since he cannot do that, therefore he must pay. And therefore, similar cases. A document which has one witness signed on it. And instead of saying that he never borrowed any money, which would be a sufficient thing he could swear about. He can make such an oath he never borrowed. And one, uh, the swearing of a person is sufficient to deny the testimony of one witness against him. But here he doesn't claim that he never borrowed anything, but Tanshapare. He claims that, yes, I did borrow, but I paid it back. So too, in this case, he cannot swear on a claim which will deny the evidence of this one witness. The witness says he borrowed money. Here he admits he borrowed, but he paid a separate thing. The king Kafrin, and so too, a person that denied a claim against him, that a witness comes and claims that he paid. Let's say, for example, the person claims that he never borrowed any money. Then comes one witness that says, well, I saw him borrow money. In this case, the, the defendant says, well, it's true, I did borrow, but I paid. In this case, he's called a kafirin, as the Rambam will explain later on in Perek Vav. Since he has first said something and then contradicted himself, he first said that I didn't borrow. Now that he says he did, that he did pay, it's as if he said that he did borrow. In this case, he is a kafirin. One witness comes to claim that he, that, that he borrowed. He claims now that he paid. Or he claims that I returned an object which is entrusted to me, I returned it to you. 
In all these cases, he is also required to take an oath, as one that is is required to take an oath, to deny the testimony of this one witness, and to say that he never borrowed. Here he cannot take the oath, because he said they did borrow, but he paid it back. Since he's ain't a Yochelishava, um, Mishalim, he must pay back. The story once happened, as it is known as the Niska de Rav Abba, a Niska is a piece of silver. Which this case was brought in front of Rav Abba. That a person grabbed a, a Loshan, meaning a, a plain piece of silver from another, and it was done in front of one witness. So there was somebody testifying they grabbed away the silver. But Omar Akhar came, and the defendant says afterwards, It's true, I admit that I grabbed it, but I grabbed something which belongs to me. I had only entrusted him with it as a picardin. Now I wanted it back. He wouldn't give it, so I grabbed it myself. He is required to take an oath. Since there is one witness saying that he did borrow, he must take an oath, deny this claim, and say that he did not borrow. However, he cannot do so because he admits that he that he has that he took it. He is not able to take an oath saying that he never took this object, and therefore Mashalim he must pay back, since he cannot make an oath to deny the claim of the one witness. The king called so to any other case where he is unable to take an oath, he was required to pay. Halachates. This as the Raman described in the previous halacha, the law of a kafran, now he describes this at greater length. The lender says that I lent you a hundred. And the borrower answers, or the, the suspected borrower, that this never happened. I never borrowed any money from you. And later on, the lender is able to provide one witness that he did borrow money, and this witness testifies to that fact. Now what would be? If there were two witnesses testifying that he borrowed money, he would be called he would be a proven liar, since he says that he never borrowed anything, there would be two witnesses claiming that he did borrow. He would be Muqsa Kafran, assumed to be lying, and therefore he would be required to pay, as the Ramam will explain later on in Perak Vav of these halachas. So since if two, there were two witnesses, he would have to pay, since now there's only one witness, Harizanishpal He can be forced to take an oath based on the testimony of this one witness. Because as the Raman gave the principle earlier, any place where two witnesses would make it necessary for him to take an oath, one person would make him, excuse me, that two people would make him have to pay, then one of them can make him take an oath. Over here, should there have been two witnesses, he would have to pay. Therefore, if there's one witness, he must take a shvua diaraisa. Let's say Paraiti, he changes his mind and he says that I already paid. In this case he is contradicting himself. First he said he didn't borrow anything. Now he's saying I did borrow, but I already paid it back. In this case, he is required to pay even without any oath on the part of the lender. As the Ramam explained earlier in the fourteenth chapter of Hilchas Malbavalay Bahalakh Yudalif. There's one witness that's saying that he that he borrowed money, and he would be required to swear to counteract the testimony of this one witness and say he didn't borrow. Over here, he already claimed paraiti, that I already paid. Therefore, he has lost his chance to make a claim that he never borrowed, and therefore, he's unable to swear. Should he be unable to swear, then umashalim is required to pay. And now, the final halacha, the perak halacha yud. 
The lender says that you owe me a hundred. And the borrower answers, the suspected borrower, I don't owe you anything at all. If he would be made to Bemixus and say that he only owed 50, then he would be required to take a Shvodi Araisa to deny the other 50. But over here he's a Kepharakal. He says he doesn't owe anything at all and therefore would be normally required to take only a rabbinic oath. But over here something else happens. Along come witnesses who testify that he does owe 50. He still owes 50. So in this case, he's not a Maidim and Mixus technically because he did not admit to the 50. We know he owes 50 on the basis of testimony from the witnesses. Nevertheless, in this case, Posku Kola Ga'inim Alacha, the Ga'inim all decided Alacha, she Yishalim Chamishim Yishova Al Hashar, that he should pay the 50 and have to swear on the rest. That this is considered no way, just like a made of a mixus. In order that the admission of his own mouth should not be worth any more than the testimony of witnesses. Should he admit, have admitted that he owed this 50 by his own mouth, he would be a made of a mixus and have to take an oath. Over here, we know he owes the 50 not by his own admission. We have even better proof. Not his own admission. We have witnesses that testify to the fact that he owes this 50. Since in the case where he himself denied, he would be a maidim emixus and have to take a shvuah by Torah law to deny the rest, even more so over here, says the Rambam, that the Gainim ruled that, that, that his own verbal admission cannot be worth more than the testimony of witnesses. Because if his own personal admission could always be mistaken, whereas the witnesses must be testifying as to the truth. Therefore, should we have testimony from witnesses that he owes this amount, he is required to take a biblical oath to deny the rest.